Hi there, and welcome to another episode of Align with Lina. And the reason I do these, these interviews is because I love for people to be exposed to ordinary people who, just like me, have undergone an extraordinary awakening. And the reason I call it Align with Lina is that there is a theme through every single one of these interviews. When we begin to hear that calling, that soul calling us inside, telling us it's time for us to wake up, it's time for us to connect to the higher part of us, it is a call into alignment with the truth of who we are. So, of course, aligning with that essence of who we are means that we have to let go of who we're not. And who we're not is is a series of stories of, of ideas, of perceptions, of identities that we create based on the life experiences that we have had. And today I'm so excited to be able to introduce you to a woman. Her name is Pam Brooks Crump, who is truly remarkable. She has had an incredible life where she created a story about who she was, obviously that it was not authentically her truth. And then what she went through to undo that story so that she could align with the essence of who she truly is. And in doing so, she has become a beacon of light, a powerful lighthouse that others who are struggling inside of their their victimhood, their dysfunction, their um, their stories can see her as a source of inspiration and be able to find their way to shore, the shore of sanity, where we begin to realize how powerful we really, truly not only are, but have always been. So without further ado, I want to invite in here my friend, Pam. And Pam, I am so excited and so grateful that you have agreed to do this conversation with me because mm -hmm. I know your heart. As long as I've known you, I don't know, you know, maybe eight, nine years now. Your heart has always been in helping people to align with their their core power inside. So let's start by talking about what was your life like before you began to align with your your truth so that we can paint a picture of that time frame. And then we will spend the bulk of our time helping people get to know who you are so that they can see how doing this work, although it's it's simple, it's a simple work of doing uh, choosing to align with your truth, choosing to own your power, your magnificence, but it's not easy because it takes time. It's uncomfortable. It's emotional. It's physically painful in many ways. Um, so we'll paint the why they want to do this in a little bit. But now let's talk about what was your life like before you became conscious of your inner source of power? Take us to your childhood, to your upbringing. Um, I, hear I, an echo. I hear an echo also, so I will be mindful of um, staying super quiet when you speak. Okay, so can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. See if you is there a phone on or or anything, any other sites on your computer open? You may want to close. No, no. Let's see. I don't hear the echo now as you're speaking. So let's go ahead and try it. Okay, so I was born here in Atlanta, Georgia, um, from a family that was born and raised. Nobody knew anybody that wasn't born in Georgia. So we were Georgian from from Atlanta even. Um, and my family 
um, from the outside looked really good. Okay. So we, we, uh, as a matter of fact, I call my story when I tell my story, a pretty bow Mm. because we, uh, my brother and sister and I always looked good. And uh, often we were dressed alike. Okay. Um, And it was, it was cute. Um, And, and that, sometimes helped us to distract us from really some of the truths that were going on at the time, the truths. Um, there was some horrible secrets in my family, horrible mm-hmm. secrets. Um, one grandfather was um, molesting me and my sister. Oh, wow. And, um, and he was an award-winning principal and um, there was a lot of dis, uh, crazy making because of that, uh, obviously. Um, and he was a beloved principal. So it was, it was secrets that we had. Um, and also I had a grandfather who was, had shot my grandmother and was in Milledgeville, um, at, at, what was then, you know, the loony bin. Mm-hmm. And my mother took us when I was three years old. And oh, wow. Literally, what I saw was a scene from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I okay. bet. I bet. I mean, they, they used that, that Milledgeville um, for making that movie, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I remember uh, hearing about that, yes. Okay, so it was beyond traumatic for my little self. I mean, it was, I thought at that point, I will never tell the secrets of what I'm feeling in here because they will put me away here. Um, Well, wow. Let let me stop here for a second because, you know, we as children, we create our perceptions um, that then become our lifetime projections. It, it's how we perceive the world. So we're projecting a world that now for you as a little girl becomes a frightening world that if you speak truth, you're going to get locked up in that one flew over the cuckoo's nest crazy house. Exactly. So how impactful, my goodness. Um, you know, I, I just so feel now for your three-year-old that had to be so conflicted here you got something going on with one grandfather and now this other grandfather is influencing your inability to to share to speak um wow yeah i mean it's it's no i mean it's no wonder that i had the trauma and the subsequent addiction and whatnot because what happened and and i want to say too it wasn't all the time bad. Okay. So my mom took us to church. Um, She taught us about the power of spirituality, the power of prayer. She taught us about fashion and stuff. And so, you know, maybe it was out of balance, but she also taught us the importance of, I mean, and what you can feel like if you, if you dress up and, and take care of yourself. And so um, it was a little out of balance, but you know, I'm grateful for those things now. I really am. Um, and I teenage years, um, 
it was preteen and teen, I was going to either implode or explode. And so I got introduced to drugs and alcohol and sex and um, at, you know, 12 years old. And um, it was a great tool for me at the time. I mean, it was a way to survive the the trauma that I felt on the inside and the out of control and um, and what began as, Oh, this is fine. This works really well um, mm-hmm. became an addiction. And um, during that time, I, I really had my first support group and that was with the gymnastics team. I uh, in middle school began in gymnastics and accelerated in it and was on varsity for years and I really had a loving, supportive network. I really did. And, um, and the coach was loving and kind and, and supportive. And, um, but I, what, what happened was the addiction began to take over Mm -hmm. and, um, and then the importance of that support and love to me uh, began to diminish and I, and I let it go. Um, I let it go and um, went to, you know, went to college, you know, still uh, using drugs and alcohol, went to graduate school, still using drugs and alcohol. Um, and so part of my life I could control and part of my life I could not control. And, um, you know, when I look back on my story and I think, like at the time, I didn't think that was a support network, but I look back on it now and I see how much it really did. It, it probably helped me for sit, from sinking lower. It really Absolutely. did. Absolutely. Let, let's talk a little bit about the mind of that 12, 13, 14 year old, because, as you know, my son, Spencer, went through what I call his four year drug adventure. And it went from 14 to 18. Mm-hmm. And that it, it's so important to highlight the mindset of, of a young uh, adolescent who has so much turmoil inside of them, because I feel that this is crucial for anybody who works with anybody who has an addiction to really understand mm-hmm. that emotional mindset, that emotional trauma that is in the background, mm-hmm. that physical trauma that we we begin to numb ourselves from and not everybody results to uh, or re- goes to drugs and alcohol but mm-hmm. i i my drug of choice became people pleasing so i disengaged mm-hmm. from my emotional pain as a little girl by right. getting a high from people pleasing but help help us understand that mind because you were in it as an somebody addicted to drugs and alcohol and and um what was that like inside of your head sweetie and emotionally it was okay i have trauma nobody is asking about it i am afraid to tell um what can you do with that you know this is you know a i mean they the research shows that 90 percent of addict alcoholics and people with mental health challenges have had trauma 90 percent you know of some type of emotional physical um abuse and um you know i just there was there was no way that this that young brain could handle it 
I mean, there was no, there was no way. And so when someone said, Oh, what, you know, why don't you smoke pot? Hey, why don't you drink some of this? Why don't you take some of this? I was like, you know, wow, I don't feel, um, it just created a sort of a numbness, yeah. a numbness that, and, you know, a high, the followed by a numbness that was like, okay, this, I don't feel those, those feelings of, of at being out of control, not trusting the world. Exactly. Uh, it, it's almost as if it, it, um, it, I mean, it was a tool that worked. Yeah. I mean, it really did. So it like just even killed, killed my mind, even killed so that I could function, yeah. you know, so that yeah. I could function. Yeah. And what you're saying is so, so important because the the process that I went through with my son and, and helping him move his through his drug addiction, I innately got what you were saying. So we sent him to 30 days at Ridgeview. You know, his dad wanted to punish him, take away all his everything, wanted him to stop doing drugs. Of course, my husband at the time, his my son's stepfather wanted him to stop. Everybody was afraid of mm-hmm. what this drugs and alcohol were going to do, mainly mm-hmm. to, to themselves personally. And then, you know, they of course, they had their fears about how it was impacting Spencer. But one of the things that I did intuitively, and I feel it was spirit guided, and we'll, obviously we can talk about this more later on, but I had a a knowingness that Spencer's drug and alcohol were the thing that were helping him feel sane. So I told him, you do not have to give up using drugs and alcohol, but you have to begin some form of treatment. You got to let me coach you. You've got to let me get you some help because Mm -hmm. we got to work on the part of you that is hurting while at the same time not take away the thing that is helping you feel balanced. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it it went against all everything everybody else said intuitively. That is what helped my son. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm glad to hear you say that that was that you saw it as something that was helping you. And yet today's system is all about taking that away, like cold turkey, right. taking right. away the one thing that helps people feel a sense of normalcy. Mm-hmm. It just numbs that amazing uh, pain that, that you that right anybody's caring so thanks for sharing that you're welcome that is my that's my truth you know that is just my truth um and i have learned that we all have a truth and we all have a way that works for us Mm -hmm. so if you know if we try to impress upon somebody our experience it's usually doesn't work. I mean, it can work temporarily for, you know, if, if you punish them and they are in fear, you know, of whatever, and it may work for a little while, but I love that you ultimately got to look at the emotional, yeah. you know, there's physical, there's emotional, there's spiritual. Um, and all of that has to be looked at before, you know, before you can find wellness. Yeah. And um, Let's talk you know, about, well, let's talk about what was the the point. Obviously, you went on as you were going for years. So at some point, this drug and alcohol is, is going to fail. It's not going to sustain you. Your your life is going to get out of control, as inevitably it does when we seek an outside source for our relief. Right. So take us to what was it like 
uh, right before you you had your your shift and and what was that like? Let's paint that okay, picture. So um, you know things still looked good on the outside. We had the bow, <laughs> and I got married, and I had um, I had let's see, I had one two children, um, and well, I'll back up a little bit. Um, when I was about thirty. And I was still, you know, um, using and I was a binge drinker. And so I would be OK for a little bit and then out of control. And um, and actually in 1985, I quit using any drugs, any illegal drugs. Because so I was like, OK, I'm married now. I've got to stop that. So I did, which is really amazing. Yeah. Um. I kept continued using alcohol. And um, when I was about 30, my sister, who, you know, Donna, came to me and said, I want to tell you something about Pop, who was our grandfather. And I said, no, I already know. And she's like, no, 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 no. You know, and what we realized at that moment that we both had been holding this secret for our entire lives. Wow. Okay? And that the same thing had happened to her. So that is when I call my consciousness came because I was no longer alone. Yes. Now I didn't stop drinking then um, completely, um, which for me, it became necessary that I could, I completely stopped. Some people can do other things, but I couldn't. Um, but it, that is when I tell you that I realized I was not alone in the world. Wow. I was, I was not alone in the world and that she had found uh, a counselor mm -hmm. and that understood what this was like um, and created a safety net. And so I was in California at the time she was in Atlanta and I realized um, that I could find somebody to help me, you know, as well. And so what began that emotional um, process of looking at the, looking at what it was, what were some of the patterns that I had created based on this distrust, yeah. distrust of men, distrust of, of, um, distrust of everybody basically because I didn't understand why my mom didn't do something about it. My dad, you know, why, how did, why, how did they let this happen to me? You know, the people who are supposed to be protecting their daughter, exactly their daughters, because there's two of you. Right. And now you find out not only was it your secret, but it was also your sister's secret. I can see how that felt clearly. Uh, you're not alone, but then it also activates a whole nother thing. Um, wow. so keep, keep walking us through that, that yeah. process of healing and roughly how many years were you in that active process of really healing until you got to the place that you, you felt like you were on the other side and beginning to gain your sanity back? Um, I would say, you know, I mean, it still continues every day. You know, it really does. It's um, I have to do a lot of I, I do a lot of things to stay very conscious, to stay happy and and um, 
inspired myself and joyful. Um, but th there was um, eight years where I weekly um, went to a went to what we would call now a recovery coach, which is what what I am. They didn't call her that, but that's what she was. Yeah. You know, she happened to be a person that was in recovery herself, and she shared her experience, strength, and hope. So, eight years once once a week and um and during that time i start uh, i stopped drinking as well completely like i said for me that became necessary because wow. i just couldn't i couldn't do the drink a little and some people can but i cannot so but you had little children also so you've got a lot going on i did children i had little children um and what I began to find is um, I did a lot of 12 step. Um, I also did the, you know, the therapy on the side, um, sort of non-traditional therapy because she was a non-traditional type of coach. Um, we did mind, body, spirit work. We did, um, you know, and what I created, co-created, you know, definitely with a higher power because I believe that we are guided and it comes from within and um, I co-created a, a life that felt secure yeah. and felt safe and, and felt fun. And, you know, there were, there were certain things that were innately in me, which are having fun is one of them. Um, and so as I, as I was healing, that came back, you know, and it was just, it was just fun to laugh and be me and be silly. And I um, mean, I'm still silly and <laughs> just love, love my life today. You know, I really, really love my life today. Well, that alignment um, that, that I, why I call this align with Lina is that alignment is, is tapping into that, that inner source of joy that does express itself as fun. We all have that childlike mm -hmm. sense of wonder within us. Mm -hmm. And you lost your childlike sense of wonder. When when did the molesting start? How old were you? I really intuitively believe it was infant. Oh, wow. So at a very, very early age, I mean, that, that innocence got constricted. It got yeah. stuck inside of you. So that that retrieval process, you know, you, you're calling it recovery and and we, we may see it the same way. We may not. Um, but to me, that recovery process, because of what I did with Spencer and obviously as a as a spiritual coach now, this is this is the work that I do. I don't right. call it recovery, but it's a it's a returning to discover, which is what to me the recovery is all about. Mm -hmm. Returning to discover that innocence inside and inviting that soul, that spirit, that 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 essence of of our joy to come out and be expressed. Mm -hmm. Versus having been suppressed and covered up with with our story, with our pain, with our trauma. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, and, you know, I, recovery is an interesting word because it it's not like, you know, addict alcoholics are the only ones that are recovering. You know, it's we're all working yeah. on something and connecting back to that that essence of who we are, you know, and. 
you know, I, I, I believe that we come here and we forget who we are for, and, and they're interesting ways that we forget who we are. And then we regain parts of ourselves little by little. If, if you're in that growth, if you're in that consciousness, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, and I, I think that we all have days or moments that are like, wait, what? And then what I'm grateful for is the more that I practice connecting, the the shorter the time is that I spend in suffering. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because that that suffering is that to me, the suffering is the disconnect from our joy. And like you said, we're, we're all doing time in one way or another inside of of a dysfunctional story, regardless of what takes us there, whether it's abuse, physical, emotional. Um, mm -hmm. We all have a way that we have perceived the outer world as as threatening, as fearful. And mm -hmm. the essence of who we are kind of retreats into that into that lockdown mode. So right. it's almost like the, the true self goes into like a prison inside. Mm -hmm. um, and at what point in your recovery did you realize that what you actually were doing was not just recovering from abuse and and um and alcoholism but you were also having a spiritual awakening that there was a a, a spiritual component to this mm -hmm. um there has just always been a spiritual component for me and that i want to you know i'm very grateful for my mom because she 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 really role models, you know, the, the power of prayer, the power of connection, the, um, and we, we see it a little different, maybe uh, my mom and I, but um, it's ultimately that we all have guidance within and that we are connected to, to a bigger, it's not just us here, you know, alone, we are connected to each other, we are connected to higher source, um, and it is, you know, through that, that I have gotten guidance all along, even yeah. as I was little, you know, I, I mean, I remember times in my life, little, young, um, where you are, I just, I just heard, I'm, you're not alone. You're not alone. And I, I really held, I held on to those, you know. How beautiful that you had those those experiences because yeah we we've never been alone um, right. but but that perception that we are alone is part of what creates that lockdown that mm -hmm. that takes place. Talk a little bit about your your you know and obviously in twelve steps they they emphasize the God of your own understanding mm -hmm. so that religious background, religious dogma doesn't keep somebody from being able to work these powerful 12 steps. Right. Uh, and more importantly, I, I feel because I saw eyewitnesses with my son that when you begin to allow God to show up in your own way of understanding it mm -hmm. is how we begin to develop a real relationship with that guidance, that intuition, that voice that has mm -hmm. been with us all along. Mm -hmm. uh, 
as somebody who, you know, I coach people on a spiritual awakening, that is what we have been missing is that reminder, but because we didn't have conscious parents from the time we were little, of preserving that connection as our source of power, as our source of intuition, mm-hmm. keeping that alive always. Right. Um, so talk to us about when you began to go through this, this uh, awakening and you began to tap into that, what did that do to your healing process when you began to connect with, with the God of your own understanding? Mm-hmm. I started calling it spirit for a while, source. Mm-hmm. Growing up Catholic, I did not want to call it God. I was very angry mm-hmm. with God. But my spiritual awakening after 10 years of not being able to call it God, I got comfortable with the word God. Mm -hmm. And then eventually it gave me another name to call it. But what was your process like reconnecting with with the God of your own understanding? Well, what what I what I found um, and I'm I'm grateful to the recovery coach that I was with, um, Nancy Carter, because she emphasized this from the very beginning, you know, that there was a relationship with you, what, you know, your higher self, you, there's a relationship with you, not with your ego, not with your ego self, which is telling you always crap, you know, like you're not enough. You're not thin enough. You're not pretty enough, you know, uh, or, oh, oh, you're too thin now or, Oh, you're not young enough or no, you're not old enough. You know, it's just it's incessant, you know, um, causing causing suffering. And so, you know, she taught me that there was a place beyond that looking out into the world um, where the things I mean, the ego will say it's never enough, never enough, never enough, never enough. And so I started to just quiet myself just a little bit quiet myself and because I had grown up with prayer and stuff it didn't feel foreign you know it didn't feel it did even in my in my growing up I don't go to the same type of spiritual community that I used you know growing up which was in my mother's Methodist but they do they weren't there wasn't a lot of guilt. There was a lot of good stuff there too. So good, good. Which is, I know to some people um, that's a surprise, but, um, and what I began to concentrate on is getting the answers for me. Yes. Getting the answers for me. And I would, um, the God of my understanding is within me. And so that's my truth, you know, so it's within here. And so um, whenever I have been with people, either in a sponsor, you know, setting in the 12th sponsor, sponsee, or as a recovery coach, it is about you finding the answers for you. Because if you take away, we think, oh, but my experience is so good. Let me, let me, you know. If we take away someone's ability to join into their relationship with their guidance, we take away something. I mean, you take away their soul. I mean, it's just, it's huge. Um, It's such a disempowerment to do that. And so just connecting in, quieting myself a little bit every day, every day uh, connecting in by journaling, by uh, prayer meditation by connecting with other people who 
also would hold the space for me. Yeah. You know, but, you know, because there's so much uh, that you've said that is so amazing. Yes. Inside of traditional religion, there is so much beautiful truth there and it, it's all in how it's presented. It's all in, in, in what we're able to extrapolate from it. That is the mm -hmm. actual, the essence of the truth. And something that you said that is so powerful is that you recognize that such a, a, a young uh at the beginning of your recovery, that you needed to have that personal experience, that, that your recovery coach was guiding you inwardly. And without that relationship, it, it's nearly impossible to really move through the, the healing that needs to take place because the healing, as I understand it, is the recognition of the wholeness that is inside of us by virtue of that higher power being a part of who we are. And when when we begin to tap into that wholeness inside of us, we begin to really acknowledge that that there is something worthy of us to begin to connect, that, that there's something lovable in there, that there's something powerful. And then for me, when you begin to realize, oh, my gosh, so the creator of all that is, is I have access to it inside of me. It, it was such a game changer. Mm -hmm. so, Talk about what began to shift in you once you began to know that that part of you that you thought was dirty and not good enough and shameful. Now you began to discover it's it's your it's your beauty, your wholeness, your your magnificence. Well, um, one thing that was very quickly uh, revealed is I no longer had a secret. Ah, yeah. So. I and uh, and you probably have heard, you know, you're only as sick as your secrets. Yes. So by sharing this, so many people have been able to share with me that they also had been molested or they had been abused in some way. Mainly in my. The people that have come to, in my arena in my in my path have been sexually molested and many of them had never told anybody. So it is, it is a gift. It is a gift. I, you know, I read this morning a quote from when I was, I was on the events that I do, which I'll talk about in a minute, but she said, let me see if I can find it right here. This was so powerful. Um, Thank you for wanting to look that up and share something that was powerful with us. Yes, yes, you're welcome. Let me see. I, um, basically, okay, let me see if I can find it. Um, that, I don't know if I can find it. Wait a minute. Um, okay, 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 here it is. Um, this is not my quote. This is a quote from a gal that was in a cultural competency class that training that that I was facilitating, co-facilitating. Um, when you break your silence, it brings a call to action for you and for others. Yeah. When you break your silence, it brings a call to action for you and for others. That gives me chills. I mean, yes. Whoa, you know, um, we need each other mm -hmm. and what you can do by breaking your silence, which is not only did I, did I do it with uh, the being molested, but also 
I realized that I cannot keep this anonymous, um, this recovery anonymous. I cannot, you know, and I did for, for, for many years. Um, I mean, not from my close friends and family, but not from, you know, I, I was not open about it with everybody. And I just realized, um, I don't know, about four years ago that if I do not come out and say that I'm a person in long-term recovery, which means to me um, that I've had 21 years free from alcohol and drugs and mental health um, challenges and recovery, um, then people, they think whatever they think, and the stigma is not broken. So this face, this face, this this person who was PTA and um, you know on PTA boards and on on the board of directors for this nonprofit and that number. I mean, this is the face, you know. And so, um, I love that when you break your silence, it brings a call to action for yourself and for others, and that's that's powerful for me. You know, and and you know that I'm a student of A Course in Miracles, and one of the things that I absolutely love about the course is it says that we have to have a willingness to say there's got to be another way. Mm -hmm. And breaking our silence is a crucial other way Mm -hmm. because, like you just said, it is so profoundly necessary that that we are willing to receive help. Um, And by the way, congratulations on those. You said 21 years. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Amazing. You know, when I think about you having spent 21 years of your life committed to a a, to sobriety, committed to your Mm -hmm. journey of healing. That Mm -hmm. is amazing. So kudos Mm -hmm. to you. And of course. That is what helps people see, wow, if she can do it, so can I, which is why I love doing these conversations. Mm. Um, I want to focus on a little bit here on when you broke your silence. Mm -hmm. I know when I broke my silence about my own pain, my own woundedness as a child, it upset Mm -hmm. people. Now, and Course in Miracles says that there's no degree of difficulty in miracles. So whether it's a little miracle that I received because I finally felt um, healed from my dad abandoning us when we were little or Mm -hmm. something as could be considered as major as sexual abuse or physical abuse, Mm -hmm. there's no degree of difficulty in us giving ourselves the beginning of the opportunity of the miracle, which is the beginning of the opportunity of healing. Mm -hmm. Take us through what was that like for you breaking that silence? And now, now your family, it's like, it's not a secret anymore. There's two of you, two sisters talking about this. Right. Right. Um, well, you know, Mike, uh, I came out on Facebook um, like two years, two and a half years ago, and my kids were like, wow, mom, you know, but then they were, I said, well, the thing is, people know, uh, people knew I was using, when, you know, when I was using, so I might as well tell them about my recovery, yeah. um, and you know, I, I guess my soul was really ready because it wasn't difficult. It didn't seem difficult. And um, I remember at the time I had the networking group, We Can, um, and 
spiritual entrepreneurs, which you you came to sometimes. Um, and I remember the day that I was going to tell them. And so I, I was like, um, oh, my gosh, you know. Um, and so I said, y'all have something very important to tell you. And I'm, I'm sorry. It's really big. Blah, blah, blah. And I went, I'm in recovery. And they were like, next. <laughs> I mean, literally, they're like, OK, well, what are we doing today? What tools are we doing? Are we going to dance today? What are we doing? You know, and it was so I think really I was kind of the last and my soul had already created a space for people yes. that were accepting, you know. And so um, and maybe and that was my path. You know, my, my sister, she has from the beginning let people know. And so, I mean, so she's got 22 years. So, um, you know, it's just different paths. And um, what what happened, Lina, too, was I my soul began to call to me to be in this work yeah. and um, be in, be give back to this. Um, you know, I have a life today because I was loved and cared for and and given the space to grow in my recovery and that's what my heart began to say you know that's what what we're calling you forth to do that's what my guidance was and it took me I want people to hear this okay I had an MBA all right I have this face I am smart I am fun I am fabulous I had um, you know I had my own company for six years but it took me two years, two years. This is just my path, but to get trainings that I needed to be able to be hired into this field. Now, I'm not saying that would be everybody's path, but, um, you know, I, I started interviewing. And I was like, why aren't they hiring me? And, you know, people would say, OK, well, you know, do, what about this training? OK, well, what about this training? And so, you know. And also I was doing work inside. I was doing my work. That's the main thing, really. I was doing my work and looking at some of the the patterns that were still holding me. Yeah. I mean, interesting ones like, uh, you know, I had a a story, repetitive story about um, that. I need to rebel against, especially women in authority. Mm. My gosh, I had to get I had to really look at that and be able to let that go in order to be hired yeah. where I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because that that um, and by all means, if, if I'm off track, let me know here. But that that rebelling against women in authority, was that really because of your mom being a woman in authority? It wasn't my mom so much, but um I I had a woman in high school. Um, I got kicked out of high school three weeks before my scene, before I graduated. Okay. And so there was just this rebelling, rebelling, rebelling. And then I realized that I was creating it. Yes. Well, you know, you were talking earlier about that ego mind. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, one of the things that I, I love teaching in my work is that we've got two voices. And those two voices, as you were saying, is that ego mind, that one that constantly is telling us what we're not, um, right. not good enough, not this enough, not that enough. Right. But that's the one that always blames everybody else also, exactly. ourselves and others. 
And then you talked about that voice of that higher self inside of you, the God voice, the soul, yes. whatever you want to call it, intuitive voice. Yeah. But isn't that what this journey has been for you about becoming clear about what what was that ego voice telling you, that dysfunction, that story, that repetitive need for drama, for blaming, for shaming self yes. and others? Yeah. Isn't that what you were letting go of so that you could hear more clearly the voice of your higher knowing, your higher self? Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. And so I think I think. As I said uh, before, I believe and this is worth repeating. I mean, it takes practice for me to understand that this this within is the flow this blah, 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 blah is just blah, blah, blah. And I want the this. And so, yes, there's I'm working on stuff, still working on stuff and uh, believe that I will be working on stuff for more freedom. Yeah. More freedom, more connection, more freedom, more joy, more, more fun, more um, realizing that, you know, as I accept myself, then I can accept others Yes, and realize that their path is perfect for them. Their path is perfect for them as was mine to get me to here. Yeah. Yeah. You no, know? let's talk about here. So what does your life look like now that, you know, you don't have to listen to that ego voice. You don't have to believe because, you know, you probably still have some of those thoughts that arise for sure. But but what does life look like for you now that you can shift out of those those low frequency, low density ego voices and shift into the higher vibration of your higher self, your yeah. you know God of your own understanding? What does your life look like today that you are totally um, clear about which voice you're listening to? My my life, I just say all the time, I love my life. I love, <laughs> my, life. I love my life. I love my life. Um, I put out. I'm an artist and these behind me are some of my things from my book. Um, and I enjoy what I call art journaling. Some people would call this like a vision board, but I do art journaling and I put out 25 things um, that I wanted in my life slash job. Okay. Um, and every one of those things, it has come to be come to fruition has manifested now, not in exactly the same, you know, the way that I kind of pictured, <laughs> um, but in beautiful ways. So now I work for the Georgia mental health consumer network. Um, everyone here is in um, has recovery from addiction and or mental health cha challenges. Um, so I live and live and work. Um, in a place where um, we are growing, we are admitting when we ha are have made an unconscious mistake. Mm -hmm. um, we give each other space to grow. Um, I work for on a team that's called the Recovery Focused Transformation Team, okay. and we work with providers, public providers around the state, and. Um, with the goal to better the people that we all are serving oh. and to make it more person centered, more guidance. You know, I, I call it more guidance centered. Um, the word we use is, is person centered. What is it that helps you to, to get 
up in the morning? What helps you to, what are you passionate about? What are you, uh, what makes you love life? What are, and if you can't remember, what are things you used to love? Wow. You know, um, so I, we literally practice what we're preaching. And so all the way up to the executive director here, I mean, she just is like, she role models it. So yeah. I work with, I mean, beautiful people, yeah. you know, and we have stuff sometimes. So we know there's going to be a disconnect, but we reconnect first connecting to our guidance and then reconnecting with each other. And so it's beautiful. It is beautiful. And I put the website up there so that people that want to uh, reach that organization, say the name of the organization again, because the website is just the uh, the initial. initials. Yeah, it's Georgia Mental Health consumer network gmhcn.org and i want to tell you um something that is a resource um we have warm lines five warm lines that you can call for free any day um you can call actually the each line you could speak for 20 minutes a day for free to talk to a peer um and i'm going to give you the um number let me write it down. Okay. Uh oh. I might have to get my glasses. <laughs> um, there's a 1 800 number, and then they will tell you there are five different other numbers that you can call. Um, and you will be connected to a recovery coach, which is okay. a peer that has been certified. And um, let's see. Okay. So, um, Eight five five four eight two two nine three three. Let me repeat that back to you. So it's one eight five five eight four two two nine four eight two. Uh eight five five four eight two two nine three three. Correct. And this is for what? Okay, so this is uh, we call it warm line. You know the like a hotline. A hotline. But it's called warm because it's not a crisis line. So um, uh, GCAL, Georgia, uh, GCAL has a crisis line that you could call if you were if you were suicidal or if, you know, and you really need help immediately, that type of thing. But this is to call just to talk. I put on to there, talk. To talk to a peer. Yes. Talk to a peer, um, which is like me, and they're all certified. So they've had training and they have continuing education um, every year to stay on top. And um, we also have across Georgia five respite centers. OK, wow. line up. Anybody can come if you are self um, you you um, say that, OK, I have stress. You don't have to be diagnosed by a doctor you can say i'm stressed i have anxiety i have depression whatnot um i have addiction you know you can come to a respite center um five across uh, the state they're small beautiful homes there is 24 7 uh available peers Mm -hmm. um, but you can do what you can join into groups if you want or not. Um, they give you $60 to buy food. You have to be able to um, go to the grocery store. They'll take you and you have to be able to um, make your own meals. Mm -hmm. 
and there are all kinds of groups if you want to join in or if you just want to rest. Um, and it's a, it's like a, people have described it like a warm blanket, you know, and, and it's, and it sometimes avoids being hospitalized when you just need someone to hear you, you know, re- what happened to you, not, you know, you need to stop doing this and this and this. What happened to you just to hear you? Yeah. It, and this you saying that is it, it inspires me to say this piece, this entire journey of healing allows us to reconnect with that that divine aspect of ourselves. But isn't that what all of the masters were doing when they, whether it be Buddha or Jesus or Mother Teresa or or Gandhi or Martin Luther King Jr. We connect with something divine inside of us. And isn't the work about helping others, isn't the work then about showing that once you become the change that you are looking for, you are the one who helps affect change for others. It's that chain reaction of compassion, of, mm-hmm. of assistance in your organization. What a beautiful gift to to provide not only these warm lines so people can talk to another, but at the end of the day, it is that love, that compassion that heals Mm-hmm. And that is that is I love that that we've come to that place of of recognizing that you can't keep healing to yourself. Healing is something that extends, that gets shared, mm-hmm. that, gets, that expands, that is meant to expand exactly. to help heal the planet. So let, let's complete this beautiful conversation. I'm so grateful for your willingness not only to talk so candidly about your own childhood trauma and how you are, because I'm going to just label this, you are consciously um, helping others deal with their sexual abuse, with their uh, emotional abuse, their physical abuse, their alcohol abuse, drug abuse. Right. You're consciously doing this. So take the rest of, you know, however much time you want to speak to when you do all of this work, so what? What what is the benefit? Why would you encourage somebody to take advantage of these, these resources? Paint a picture. You had the pretty bow when you were painting a picture that that life was pretty on the outside and dysfunctional on the inside. Mm. Now paint a picture of what happens when you become transparent and life on the inside is inner guided. And it's actually a beautiful picture. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what does that look like for somebody to want to strive for? Well, there's such freedom in the insides matching the outsides. And so I don't act like I'm always feeling good because I'm not, you know. Um, So it doesn't mean and I don't go into, oh, the shame. It's me or like what you said about it's somebody's fault or I try not to do that, you know. Um, And so what I do, though, is I take the. I take a stop. I don't just try to cover it with something like with work or with Facebook or with, you know, uh, a myriad of millions of things that we try to cover. We could try to cover with. And so then I align. So I align with uh, that's when I really look for the, the connection, the guidance. Okay. I am feeling sad today or I'm feeling 
jealous today or I'm in this moment. So I then can breathe into, okay, source God, come into this moment with me, you know, come in to this. Maybe it's a little kid moment that, you know, is still coming up for healing. It's coming up for healing. And so what today, you know, I can choose to wear a pretty bow or not, yes. you know, and I can be honest about, wow, you know, um, this is how I'm feeling. And I can also be honest about what is coming up for healing. Yeah. Yeah. What is coming up for healing and not go, oh, it's your fault that I'm feeling so-and-so. You know, no, I, I all I can control is me. And so what what is from doing this work, what has what has evolved is the real me. Yeah. Yeah. Real me. You know, the real me. And this is what my 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 creator says. There was nothing else but you. That's who I want you to be is you. Just be you. Yeah. Be you. And so I have a um, what I know is that when I have since I've done this work and I continue to do this work, I shine a light. OK, I know it. And so what it. So I don't do it just for you, but I know that it it helps me. And then if it if my light helps you not to bonk your head on the wall because we weren't all in darkness, you know, then good. Let me applaud that, yeah. you know. And um, it is when we do this work, it affects so many people. Yeah. Because just, I mean, the person that I walk down the street that I smile to, it might be the only smile they've gotten, you know. Um, so and I, I wanted to tell you, too, before we wrap up, that if, if those of you that are in Marietta, I have got a life skills wellness class that I do on um, at Lifeway Counseling, which is right on Power, Power, um, Powder Springs Road, right down from the square life it's called lifeway counseling and 10 30 every saturday we have a great small group that is for wellness and for totally for you to find the answers for you um, and it's for recovery people some people are uh, mental health challenges um, some people are in addiction um, recovery and um but it's about having a better life, just bettering your life, you know, in the way that works for you. That's what I that's what I want to tell people is it's um, you've got the answers for you within. Absolutely. What a powerful what a powerful um, message to leave people with that is that we do. We have the, the answers in us. And and, you know, that's that's what we're discovering. Um for some reason, I cannot put um, the life. It's called Lifeway. Lifeway, uh, Lifeway Counseling. Okay. It. I cannot, for some reason, type it on here. But since you're saying it again, speak a little bit to that. Lifeway Counseling. What exactly is it that they do? Um, well, there are there are four different um, counselors there and um, a nurse practitioner and um and what 
they have uh, they have uh, just some great women doing some great work there, and they asked me to come and do these wellness classes, and um, it is it's just a great small a small office, but um, that is just doing some great work to help people find their guidance. You know, I mean they're very much in line with. Um, what I'm doing. And so it feels really, it feels really good and very supportive. That's wonderful. And if, if you could just share the, the top three teachings or tools that have really helped you, that could be a resource that anybody would be able to go pick up or Google or, or learn more from, but what were three teachings that have really supported your journey? Um, no doubt, uh, 12 step. I mean, no doubt. Um, it was the basis of the foundation. Okay. So, you know, and I, I, I just think you can, uh, take what you like and leave the rest there, but absolutely 12 step has been fantastic. Um, Hay House, um, Louise Hay, um, Robert Holden, um, a bunch of the authors that are there. Absolutely. Wayne Dyer, you know, big. Wayne Dyer, um, Deepak Chopra, um, there, Susie Orman. I mean, there's just so many there. Um, wow. And I got uh, Louise Hayes, Loving Yourself, Loving Yourself, Loving Yourself really is powerful. And Robert Holden is um, also an author there that is very much about, you know, Let's love ourselves. Let's love yeah. ourselves. And then um, for me personally, um, I do um, a theater that is called the Rise Theater. And oh, yeah. R2ISE. And they're on Facebook, R2ISE. Um, and it is for arts and recovery equals freedom. And mm -hmm. it is a it has helped me to heal that some of the talk therapy did not do. It got to places that in cell, that were cells of my, that were just in my cells that just the art, the uh, visual art, the, the um, music, the dance there, you can just do whatever you, whatever, if it's art, it's art that we do it there at the rise theater. And it is, um, a great, great resource for people who really find that they want to be creative in their in their recovery. And we have a lot of allies, too. So it is not just people in recovery from mental health or addiction allies. We can't do anything. We cannot create a movement without allies, you mm -hmm. know, so people that are there to support and love us. Yeah that might not be in the same situation as us, you know. I attended one of those and it, it is about self-expression. It was beautiful. Yes. Absolutely beautiful. Yes. Um, I cannot thank you enough for being part of this conversation because as Frank said, and I can't show his comment again, um, but Frank was saying that he was thanking us for sharing our thoughts and experiences in this very relevant and often varied subject so bravo to you, as Frank said, for being so open and so willing to to share, because in that transparency, we we really help others. And I feel that we are 
currently as, as a humanity going through a shift in consciousness. Yes. If you look at the world right now, secrets are being exposed because right. we have to bring out what was secret so we can expose the ego's agenda, the ego's belief right. stories that keep us stuck inside of a, of a sense of self that is so small. Um, but it requires courage, number one, to to be transparent because it's, it's scary. It's very scary. It and is. the fact that you guys have people that peers that people can talk to, it's a beginning step to speak to somebody and begin to reveal what, what we're holding inside. Yeah. But you doing your work is definitely is a beautiful light on this planet. And I know you have impacted the lives of many. God knows you've impacted mine. Just just your your joy, your honesty, your vulnerability, your commitment, your caring, your sharing. Mm. You're, you're just beautiful and powerful. And I'm so honored that you were one of my guests today. So I want to thank you for that. And then I also want to mention a couple of guests that I have coming up because this is, you know, my show is all about helping people know that we have these amazing resources. So next week, I'm going to be interviewing this amazing young woman. Her name is Maria. And Maria is, she's been a student of A Course in Miracles. She also is one of my clients. And, but what she has done, her transformation has allowed her to come out of being a very shut down Russian woman who was on a mission to come to America and kick some ass and make a name for herself. Mm. But she has softened so much. And now her commitment is to being not only her true authentic self, but a conscious parent and to have a five and a two year old who are being raised by a conscious mother is really phenomenal. And then after that, so that's going to be next week on March the 5th. Then the following Monday on March the 12th, I have my friend Bill Lassiter and Bill and I are mm -hmm. kind of going through some parallel things. Mm -hmm. You know, we both had our spiritual awakenings and we both have recently entered into new relationships. So we're going to be talking about conscious relationships. How do we bring mm -hmm. consciousness into doing relationships from a place of our soul speaking, being present, not our egos? But when our egos show up, what do we do about that so that our egos don't sabotage the, the love that is budding, blossoming between Bill and his new girlfriend and me and my new boyfriend? Mm. So we got conscious parenting and conscious coupling. Uh, coupling up. And of course, if you visit my website at lineorlando.com, I have my schedule for when I lead Course in Miracle classes on Tuesday nights at Unity North in Marietta. I also have my workshops, The Power of Awareness, and one-day events called Shift and Lift. It's all about shifting our thinking and lifting our vibration. I do those on, you know, every now and again, but my website has all those details. And I want to thank anybody who will share this video and help us spread the message that the, the journey of self-healing is a journey that helps humanity. Because when we heal inside, we bring our joy, our happiness, and more importantly, mm -hmm. a level of compassion to the healing of the rest of the planet that is crucial. Because as Pam said, everybody's on their journey, and every journey of self-healing 
is an individualized plan. There are no cookie cutter healing paths. Mm -hmm. But having somebody who's gone with us to hold our hand makes the journey a little smoother. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I'm going to even say a lot more enjoyable because when we have somebody who gets what we've been through, Mm -hmm. they can share with us in the joy and they can cry with us because all of that is part of it. But I think it speeds up the process. And it allows us to achieve our goals a lot sooner because somebody's giving us a map that, again, it's not our same journey, but it's a roadmap that will help us. So thank you, Pam, for being here. You're welcome. To everybody that watched this. And I know we are all magnificent. So let's spread the love. You have a beautiful day, my sister. And I look forward to uh, catching up with you personally. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. Y'all take care. Thanks, sweetheart. Love you, sweetie. Bye. Love you too, mama. Goodbye, everybody. We love you all. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.